Jay. What up, what up? Welcome to Sunday service. Sunday service. With Talon and Stefan and the Holy Spirit. Let it be your God. All right, dude. Well, to the upper echelon. We've got some new stuff. <laughs> Welcome to the official Sunday service studio. That's right. Please. This is the first time we've gone live. We will be going live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Approximately. Uh, uh, Mountain Standard Time. So for all those in Germany that have been texting me wanting to tune in, <laughs> get all the time right. Thousands of people just lining up to join the server. Oh, this is so exciting. We will be consistent with this, and you can expect we're going to blow this bitch up. Big old fatty style. All, all right. right. Let's, let's dive into, into this, this, bro. So how, dude, how's your week been? My week's been freaking fantastic. Um... It's great. Don't mind me. I'm just kidding. Uh, I keep uh, meeting people, running into people who, you know, their life's falling apart. And I say, welcome to the club, <laughs> the whole world right now. <laughs> so, oh my yeah, goodness. Dude. What did we talk about last time? Refresh me. Uh, we talked about bullying last time. Didn't oh, that's we, right? right. That was last time. That's right. About how I think these conversations are influenced by stuff we both see throughout the week, which is oddly you and I are always on the same wavelength. That's it's true. Why, kind of why we started this, right? That's true. Because we're always on the same wavelength. Oh, I just went over two topics with you. Did any of those resonate with anything you experienced during well, the week? Bring them up again. One of them did. Okay, well, emotional instability and manipulation in relationships was one of them. Because I had a friend at work tell me about a story that just cracked me up so bad. <laughs> Let's go there. Okay, we'll do that. And then, because the other one is consciousness and recognizing it. And this one I'm actually more interested in. Okay. Because my... A large portion of my life was basically not living a life of control, but reaction. Mm. Does that make sense? Dude, okay, this one resonates because in my podcast, Sacred Odyssey, this was literally the episode that we talked about. We talked to this exact topic. Okay. Well, first off, let me tell you this story. So this girl, let's call her Sandra. Hi, Sandra. I don't want to give names like we did in the very first episode that we didn't post. <laughs> but so she, um, she was, she, so I work with her pretty closely and, uh, she was telling me about this, her dating life and how she had like two guys. She was kind of like playing the field with seeing like which one was going to be most compatible. So she was Is that what girls call it these days. Yeah. I don't know the details behind how compatible she was, uh, like how she was testing how compatible they were. <laughs> but regardless, she uh, so she was with one guy, right? And this guy who was awesome, right? Super fun to hang out with. They'd go out and do like um, like clubs, and they they'd go and like have dinner, and not even like something extreme as clubs. They'd just be going and hanging out on yeah. the night, right? And she. Um, she loved hanging out with him, but she was dating this other guy and he wasn't as fun to go and like do the stuff with like the activities. Right. But he was really, he was a lot more down to earth than, than the other guy. He, I guess I should use names so we can differentiate. Huh? He was more safe. That's yeah. Like what so, so we'll say Matt was more safe okay. and George is the guy that she has a lot of fun with. George. George. Yeah. Okay. So. George um, comes over and sees her when she's sick, right? So she's yeah. sick, so they can't go out and do fun stuff anymore. So here comes the issue, right? Mm. So he comes over and they're hanging out. And the problem is that they basically 
they can't have fun, right? Like, well, they can't have fun because they're sitting there not doing anything, yeah. right? But the thing is, is that they can't have deep and meaningful conversations. So she's like, she's like, hey, Matt, right? This is the guy that we're, we're yeah. calling him Matt. So Sandra yeah. says, hey, Matt. Um, and these names are not real names, by the way. She's like, hey, like, I, I just wanted to have a conversation with you. Like, I, you know, we, we have a lot of fun together. But I'd love, like, a more deep and meaningful no, like conversation. That'd be George, right? No, no, no. Because George is the one that's safe. Oh, I thought Matt was the one that was safe. No. Gosh, damn it. So, <laughs> okay, so, George, okay. so George is the one that's safe. That, okay, like, George, isn't as fun when they go and hang George out. George is the calm, safe, deeper one. And Matt and is the wild party fun one. Yeah, he's okay. way fun to go out okay. and hang out with. But now she's starting to realize, oh, and we're doing one-on-one and we're at home and we're hanging out. He's just not as fun. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So then she, so, so she, she's talking to him, right? She's at home. She's not feeling good. They're hanging out. She's like, this is kind of stale, right? So she's like, hey, like, I'd love to have, like, I feel like a lot of our conversations have been on the surface. I want to like dive a little bit deeper, get to know you more and just kind of see what's below the surface kind of thing. The dude like freaks out. Right. Like can't handle that kind of conversation, thinks that he's being attacked. Right. So he like kind of is up in arms about it, ends up, ends up leaving. Like they, they leave on like, okay terms, but he's kind of being childish. Like I can't yeah. specifically think of exactly what he said. Right. But clearly being childish and was a little bit triggered. Yeah. So she's confused. Like time goes on. They end up like kind of texting back and forth, trying to figure things out. And we all know how texting goes with serious conversation. Right. So things are just not really in a good place for them. Um, he basically, he, he's like offended saying like, Oh, like you don't think all oh, that. I remember this. So he's like, you don't think that I'm like a smart person basically. So he's mm-hmm. thinking that she's calling him stupid so and he's like, I've got a master's. Oh, he's gosh. like, I've been in professional soccer, like all this stuff, right? Like going through his little awards that like don't matter. And she's just wanting to know him. Yeah. Right. So she, um, she ends up just kind of obviously deciding like, yeah, this guy's, this guy's nuts. Yeah. Right. Gets a major red flag. Like she, she ends up like kind of like sending him a voice, like a voice text or whatever. And it was like, Hey, like I really didn't mean to like offend you. I just wanted to get you to know you more. That's where this is really yeah. coming from. At the same time, he sends her one back and it's just scathing. And he's like, he's like, at first he's like, I was thinking that maybe, you know, I need to like reevaluate. But then I was like, but not for you, <laughs> not for your type of person. Right. So he's just like off the charts crazy. Yeah. And so fortunately for her, she's in a healthy place to notice that. So she ends up going and hanging out with George, who's a little bit more like level headed. And it ends up being a lot more meaningful for her because she's able to have deeper conversations or able yeah. to get to know each other more. But I thought that was interesting because had she not been in a situation where she's mentally and emotionally stable, she probably would have caved to that behavior totally. and been yeah. like, I'm so sorry. Like, like, come back, let's talk it out. And then you're in a, a two, three year relationship of hell. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> dude. No, for sure. It's, I mean, this is, this was probably the most informative advice I was ever told. And I can't even remember who told it to me, but they were just like, there's one thing you got to understand about women. And if, if you're a woman watching this and you disagree, feel free to yeah. send in the comments and go ahead and tell me, us but, how wrong we are. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is accurate. Women only prioritize one thing, and it's safety. That's all. That is the the number one thing is safety and security. Now, that can appear different at different phases in their life. In one phase, it might be financial uh, security that they might prioritize. 
It might be emotional safety. It might be physical safety, but all around they will prioritize safety. So it doesn't matter how much they love a guy or vibe with him, or there's like just this compatibility. If another guy comes up where subconsciously they feel like they're safer with him, she will prioritize that other guy. And it, yeah. it's deeply rooted within their DNA, within tribal, because like for tribes to survive back in the day, for the women to continue to procreate and expand that lineage for the man, there had to be safety there. There had to be that protector. And so I think that's one thing we as men sometimes don't think about that like right. top priority for a woman, top, top is safety. And sometimes that can actually be super easy. It really can, yeah. if you can just make that woman feel safe. But it's interesting because I think women, men do it as well, but women mature a bit earlier. So it's like they go through these phases where in their early 20s, they want the mat. They want the fun guy. They want the party guy to like enliven things up. But like the more they connect to themselves, the more they realize there's something deeper. And then they start to move more deeply into that safety, into that depth. And, and those mats kind of fall away. Yeah, or no, they end makes up sense. staying with them, and then the marriage or relationship falls apart. But either way, there's there's definitely similar patterns for sure. Yeah, it's so interesting. I I just I thought it was I thought it was a fascinating story just because of that. Because it's like, regardless of what phase you're at in terms of security, whether you're a woman or a man, I'm sure there's men that crave security too. But obviously, it's more more aligned with women because of our ancestral history, right? Yeah. But like, man, like how do you get to a point as any individual where depth and like savor is more important than you're born with it? Just <laughs> draw the line. No, I think that I, one of the reasons why I love this story is because it shows you the importance of self worth and like your own security, and it shows that like it doesn't matter mm, how much money yeah. you have, the relationship that you have, how great it is, if you're not secure with yourself, good luck. It, it's gonna crumble because life really is a single player game, and like you have to fill your cup first and get yourself good and whole to then serve the other. But it's it's not like. I think we have this skewed mindset that in relationships, it's 50-50. It's like, I'll give 50, you give 50. And it, oh, doesn't, like it this, actually yeah. doesn't work. How it really works is you give fucking 100 and I'll give 100, right? And, and on those days where it's like, I can't give 100, then you'll be able to support me in that and like vice versa. I, I remember Will Smith has a great video about this when he's talking about him and Jada and their marriage was falling apart on the brink of divorce yeah. for many reasons. His open relationships work really well. <laughs> Yeah, they work super well when you're just playing the field while you're married. Um, but he he was like, we basically hit a point where I sat her down and was like, look, it's not my job to make you happy. Sorry. Mm. Like, that's not that's not my job. Your job is to make yourself happy. And my job is to find out how I can make myself happy. And so they did this little, like, experiment, you could call it, where they kind of split apart. And he was like... I just want to see like on your own, if you can be happy. Yeah. Cause if you can't, I can't do anything. And so they split apart to really see like, can we be happy on our own? Can we provide that? And then come together as a power couple to support one another in your individual journey. But I think that's one of the dynamics we're stepping into. Like in the past, there's been a lot of codependency in relationships, but as we go through the shift in humanity, we're starting to see that get better and better, like more individuality, where it's like, you do your thing, I'll do mine, but we're going to do it together on our paths. 
right i'll support you and you support me and like i think that's i think that's the healthy way uh, of how it's supposed to be that interdependency we talked about right. in the first episode well because then it, then what you're doing is you're bringing two different skill sets together for one yeah. common goal and purpose yeah so you're allowing your spouse or significant other to be able to achieve the things that are important to them while maintaining a goal together of like you know in, in the future we want to have a farm or something yeah. right or, or we want to mm -hmm. have a house by the lake right like well here's how we're going to achieve that or or ultimate goal have a family so we have some posterity so we have you know some family that can come when we're in our 50s or 60s to our house during christmas like mm -hmm. whatever your ultimate goal is with your spouse or significant other that shouldn't affect too terribly the the types of achievements that they're wanting to accomplish as an individual yeah. to then get certain skill sets together and use that together during times of strife or struggle to help yeah. you kind of push through yeah and like it's i think sometimes we underestimate the power of like passion and like when you as an individual when you have something you're just so hungry about you're passionate, you're pursuing that flame is in you that will carry over to your relationship that'll yeah. ignite the relationship. But like if you, if you as an individual, a man and a woman don't have that, then you're looking towards each other to light that fire in the other person. And it, it's not sustainable, but when you have two people that just have those flames and they're pursuing their thing, whatever it is, you know, then it's like that, that adds to like the fire of the relationship. Yeah. And you, you see those couples every now and then that are just like, you're like, damn, they're, they're powerful. They have it together, but it's, it's like the man and the wife or the man and the woman doesn't have to be marriage, but like they're each pursuing their own thing, but yeah. it's compatible. It's intertwined with each other. Right. And I, and I think that's not to say too, that like you can't have a mat, right? <laughs> right. Like Matt, Matt being the, the guy that's like a, or a gal that like, like loves to have a good time, yeah. but they should have both. Why not? Right. Like, totally. or just just the needs that that you well just the things that you're in need of i guess yeah like so if, know thyself yeah if matt found need? another girl that was just like him let's call her becca like it would be serious <laughs> <laughs> no if he found another girl that was like on that wavelength where they're both like i believe we go through phases as humans yeah, right so it's like true. if if in that phase he's in because he's not going to be in that phase forever I don't think let's so. hope I don't not. Know. I mean, the dude's so, like in his forties, right? Like, so, yeah. So let's say that he's just in a phase, and like it's finding a girl that's compatible within that phase, doing her thing. But anyway, yeah, it, it goes back to the importance of like this is you have to do your own work. Like yeah. your partner, just in my opinion, it's just there to support that. It's there to. One of my favorite things I ever heard was that like your soulmate is actually your higher self. Oh, I remember you telling me about that. And the goal is to come back and merge with your higher self. And your perfect partner just happens to be the person that doesn't get in the way of that. Right. What's that? Someone who doesn't hold back your evolution of the greatest person you can be. And, I, dude, that's one of the things I love about you and Kara is that, like, she, yeah, she definitely does that. 100%. She, she does not hold back your evolution. Not at all. Like, and that's and, the and biggest difference the I've seen. She yeah. pushes it and is like, dude, let's go. Absolutely. Well, and I think it's because there's a difference, right? There's a difference between like meaninglessly looking for meaning in your life and like kind of grabbing at straw, like loose straws and just yeah. not hanging on. And then there's, yeah, this is a true passion. Like you're pursuing it and giving it your all. 
And, and I, and she recognizes that she recognizes yeah. that I have passions. There's things I want to accomplish in my own individual realm that I believe will ultimately help her and I in the long run for our ultimate goals that we have. And because she recognizes that and because she trusts me she, and because she knows that I am a go-getter and, and if it is something really passionate about, I will go all the way. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, she knows I'll adjust and go to something else and, and work my ass yeah. off. Well, and cause she can hold her ground and she's secure. So like, I, I see this a lot, this, this scarcity mindset where it's like, if the other person is winning, somehow it's taken away oh, from you. Yeah, a little right? bit of envy. That, yeah. That's a real disease we have right now in society. And it's just, it's converting to an abundance mindset and being like, no, the more that other person wins, the more you win too. You're right. interconnected. Like, and so we need to see more of this in the world, the support of like clapping for each other. Absolutely. Not trying to tear each other down to make you feel bigger. Well, yeah, I think there should be support across across the board for people that want to better themselves. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, obviously that there's, there's a line that should be drawn, right? Like if you're, if you're wanting to go and do something that's a little destructive, you probably yeah. shouldn't support it. Yeah. No. Yeah. For, for sure. There's still that. Backbone but that's not there what you're saying. There, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's still boundaries for sure. But that that's, what's beautiful is that you have, well, let's take a relationship or a couple. It's two individuals with strong boundaries, but they've learned how to like coexist together within that little ecosystem. But yeah. It's like, you still have your boundaries. Kara still has her boundaries. Right. You're still operating as individuals, but at the same time, you've merged into like dude, one. I got a story. Story that reminds time. me. That reminds me, dude. So we're in the car. So I think what's going to be hilarious is as we have more and more of these podcasts, it's just going to be stories about how bad Stefan fucks up. <laughs> As I navigate just, trying to be a better... It's just going to turn into us analyzing <laughs> Stefan's relationship. <laughs> For real, though. So we're in the car. I think this was like yesterday or two days ago. And like, we're tired. We haven't had food yet. I think it was like around lunchtime. And I, where were we going? We were going... It doesn't matter where we were going. But we're going somewhere. And I can't even remember. This is how insignificant and funny this is. I can't remember what we were, what we started fighting about, but it was 100% the nothing fight. Do you know what I mean by the nothing <laughs> yeah, fight? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the nothing, I should explain. The nothing fight to me is basically when you find something to argue about with your significant other, and it could be something as simple as like her liking another color that you don't like, <laughs> right? Or like something stupid about like you, you didn't like throw the paper towel away that was sitting on the table, yeah. right? And like, she's like, hey, can you just put that away like next time? Yeah, I guess I will. Like, like, like just something stupid, right? Like, like that would be really childish if that happened. But anyway, we're having this nothing fight in the car and like, I wish I was so bad. I knew what we were fighting about, but basically it came down to the, to the, to the point where we both realized how stupid the fight was. And we were just like, Hey, like we're good. And we don't need it. to fight about mm -hmm. this. And we just kind of shrugged it off. But normally, dude, in previous relationships, you fucking hold on to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I wonder, I think that's probably something that's more inside than it is outside, if that makes sense. Like more internal within yeah. the person that's having the fight. Like granted, we were I a little hangry. Yeah. But like, oh, dude, I remembered what it was. So we're going to a park, right? And like there's directions on how to get there. And the freaking, the map is showing us to turn right at this one spot. And... 
And Garrett's like, okay, you got to turn right. And it was before that spot that said on the on the GPS, turn right. Yeah. And so in my mind, I'm driving, I'm looking, I'm trying to be safe. I'm, I'm watching the road and I'm like, no, it's not this right. It's the next one up. But she's like, turn right, turn right, turn right. And I'm like, it doesn't tell me to turn right right here. It's the next one. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, whoa, calm down. I'm just trying to, right? Stupid fight. Stupid yeah. nothing fight. And I'm like, listen, I'm sorry. We're going the right way. Like, we're good. Yeah. Right. But it's so funny because, like, I know in previous relationships where I've had a fight like that, and dude, it was the end. Yeah. Like, and we're just knock down, drag out fight for like the next 24 hours. Well, dude, let's let's pick it apart because it, it is interesting. It's a good example. I feel like it's a good value for people. I think number one, like, anytime these fights happen, ego is involved a little bit, right? It, yeah. It's like that. It's the pride. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, like I need to be right here. Remember, I, I'm the alpha. Like, let's get back in <laughs> line <laughs> here. Hey, uh, you're in the passenger seat. Okay. And I'm fucking driving to our destination. You can enjoy the ride. Um, last time I checked, you were a woman. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly kidding. what my thoughts but, were. I mean, ego plays a big part in it. Um, I think one thing that really helps, I remember someone saying a long time ago that like the moment they shifted from realizing they were a team and it was them against the problem rather yes. than me against you, they said that shifted everything. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. It's like realizing, oh, like <laughs> I'm fighting with my teammate, the, the person, the one person exactly. who's supporting me in everything. And so we need to understand that and then shift it towards the problem, which is the directions or the park, or it's like, so it's like, screw your directions park. To a park. <laughs> but it's, it's understanding like, Oh, I'm fighting with my own teammate. The person who is like on my side, which is why it's the nothing fight. Yeah. But I love that you said teammate. Cause like last time we were chatting about how, I can't, what was the story? She was, she basically had like locked herself in the closet. Cause I was being a complete asshole. Yeah. It was about her. Oh, it was about her like going to California and like knocking doors and stuff. And I was like, we don't need this. we got plenty of money. And then like, I went in, right. Apologized and all that stuff. And then she said, she's like, Hey, I'm team Stefan. Right. And it's like comments mm. like that in those moments where it's like, yeah, we're on a fucking team. Like there's no reason to think that I need to, bring up my defenses right to right. bring up the right the you know the defensive positions and maneuvers so that i don't get hurt by her right, right? it's the fear it's the it's, it's it's the illusion of separation like right fear often comes from this illusion of separation of of realizing it's me versus you and it's it's not it's like we're one right we are the same so like when i fight against you i'm actually fighting against myself right which is not beneficial so I think if people can adopt this mindset of like community and oneness and unity, which is relationships, yeah, then that's like the first hurdle. Then Absolutely. it becomes a lot more doable because it's like, oh, what are we what are we fighting about? Like let's let's talk about it, let's resolve it rather than go against each other. Well, dude, that that's like kind of like the small town mentality, right? Mm. F- follow me here. So like you you're in a you're in a town of people where there's not very many people, everyone knows everybody. Yeah. So if you're a douchebag, <laughs> people yeah. know you're a douchebag because your dirty laundry is kind of out there where everyone yeah. can see it. I mean, like to a to a, a more detailed view and perspective, you see that within a relationship, you know each other's shit, right? Mm-hmm. Which it, it makes it a lot easier to fling it, so to speak, with that analogy and yeah. really hurt that person or not and build them up and be a team. And I think that you would see that back in the day with these towns because it's everyone knows everybody. They're there to support each other. They know where the struggles are, where they're not. 
And because of that, there's a certain sense of trust, right? Because everyone's to get got that kind of togetherness. But where we are now, like, I mean, we're sitting right here. We could probably reach out and touch the next person's house next to us, mm-hmm. which means that there's tons of people in this neighborhood, in this, this city, right? It's a lot harder to keep tabs, so to speak, and yeah. know if somebody is truly who they are. So it makes it more difficult to be a team, right? Yeah. Which is where you start to see kind of dissension, I think. But Yeah, I think so. And it's a very good point. I mean, and we we kind of talked about that, interestingly enough, in the first episode that never got posted yeah. about how like, <laughs> you know, part of a great relationship is, is that you have the power to absolutely destroy your partner because you know their deepest vulnerabilities and insecurities yeah. if you really have become transparent with one another. And that's what actually solidifies a relationship is knowing that I could destroy you with a comment. Like I know your weak spot, but I choose not to. Right. And that right there is like, I think that's, that's very powerful in a relationship, which, which actually comes back to the second topic you brought up of like that reaction of like, Oh, in this moment, do I have enough management and control of myself and my emotions to preserve this person's emotions right. and I, not use it against them. Am I conscious enough to know who I am yeah. to be able to handle what's being thrown at me? Totally. So otherwise I'm going to react and probably make a, a poor choice. Yeah. A very poor choice. Yeah. There's a book called A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. If you haven't read it, strongly recommend. I haven't. I've heard of it, but I have it's not read a, it. So he was in Auschwitz in the concentration camps. He watched every single member of his family and friends just get tortured and die, and he and he survived. So brutal. And he he basically the premise of the book is he talks about that it's all about the meaning you attach to things, and so the reason why he came out strong from Auschwitz is is the beliefs that he garnered around that. And he chose to look at it as an experience that made him stronger. But in the book, he talks about how in life you have, you have a stimulus or like a, a trigger. That's the word we use nowadays. You have a trigger right? and then you have your response. But he says in between the trigger and the response, he said, there's a tiny, tiny little space. And that space we call freedom of choice. He says, for most people, that space is pretty much non-existent. <laughs> so the moment a trigger happens, it's immediate reaction. Yeah. But he says, if you can elongate that space, you then have the power to respond how you want. And so he says, life becomes about elongating that space and choosing to respond to things because then you're in power, you're in control. If you're immediately reacting, you don't have control. You don't have power. So it's gaining that ability to be conscious enough of yourself to then respond how you want rather than react automatically. Right. No, that's, and that's exactly, I think why I thought of that topic because I was thinking back in my life in terms of where I've been, where I, it was a very reactionary life. Yeah. Right. Like, and I I think that nothing's ever absolute, right? There's a lot of nuances to this, but I think that there's been multiple times in my life, especially throughout very insecure moments in my life where I was very reactionary because I wasn't taking control. I wasn't taking control of my sphere of influence, so to speak. And so how do we, how do we get there, dude? Just get asked. No, I'm asking you. (laughs) Um, I dude, I think that there's, um, I think there's a few ways that you can really get to that space where you're coming from a place of responsiveness rather than reactiveness. 
And uh, the first thing that I always recommend to people, which comes to my mind, is actually cold exposure. And I'll, Ooh, like I'll, I'll cold showers. Yeah, I'll explain the kind of why this works so well. So when you're, let's say, for example, a fighter pilot, you know, in the Air Force or whatever uh, branch it's in, they don't just put you in a like F one fighter jet and you go out. You actually hop in a simulator, right? And you simulate flights. Right. Well cold showers or cold plunges are like a flight simulator it's actually emotional fitness so just like you go to the gym and lift weights to get physically strong oh that makes sense you hop in the cold shower to get emotionally because you're, you're battling to stay in this is why so <laughs> the moment you hop in the cold whether it's a lake ocean shower the moment you hop in the immediate response is to get back out. Yeah, fight or flight. It's to flee. You literally go into fight or flight mode. You go into survival mode. And so instantaneously, all these emotions come up. Your, your cortisol spikes, your epinephrine and adrenaline shoots up. And those are the same chemicals that shoot up when you get in a fight in a relationship. They're the same chemicals that shoot up when you get a text from your girlfriend saying this isn't working out anymore. Or when you get like, when you Makes find sense. out your spouse has been cheating or when you get fired from your job, like when, and you can feel it right now, right? <laughs> when these things come up, they're these charged with subjects. emotions. And what's crazy is the same chemicals in your body are released in the cold as well. And so immediately it's to react, it's to get out. But what the cold does is when you stay in it and sit in it, you force yourself to take back your power. And you're like, even though I feel all this, right. I'm going to breathe, I'm going to sit in it, and I'm going to get control over this. And then I'm going to step out of the cold when I choose to. It's a choice. I'm choosing to respond. And when you do this every single day, it's literally like that simulation. You're yeah. simulating for when it does happen. And dude, I have noticed crazy results of this of where when I'll be in a situation and just immediate chaos happens in my instant reaction. Now the override is to just be calm and breathe and be like, I'm not going to go into survival mode. I'm not going to react. I'm just going to sit in this. I'm going to breathe. And then I'm going to choose to respond how is best. Yeah. So one of the first ways I always tell people is cold exposure. So powerful, dude. I believe that. So I, powerful. I used to do it a ton. I don't do it anymore. I need to start doing it again. Yeah, dude. It, it's And it's one of those ways that it's immediate. Everyone has access to it no matter where they are. It's a simple method. It only takes a few minutes a day. That's one of those ways. The easier way. A few minutes if you can... If you can last if a few you can minutes. last a few minutes. Um, <laughs> I started out with 30 seconds. Dude, yeah, and, that and too. Up. Dude, anything <laughs> works. <laughs> anything works to just get yourself. It's it's intentionally putting yourself in discomfort, right? That's yeah. what it is. I mean, that's why so many people got absolutely wrecked by the pandemic because they've never been through crisis right. in their lives. Well, I love it. Who are you talking about? This they microdose, microdose, microdose adversity. adversity. I that's can't remember who said bad it. It's probably Jocko, <laughs> probably, <laughs> or dude. David Goggins, one it of the two. Probably was, but that—that's the idea. Is you're microdosing adversity each day so that because you can control that. Right. It's it's a controlled setting, like a like a lab where you can microdose that adversity to your liking so that when actual adversity happens, like COVID, it doesn't just break you in half. Yeah. Or like when you get in a fight or your relationship goes south or you lose a child or you get cancer, like when these major adversities happen in life, it's like, okay, this is gonna be a bitch, but like I got this. Right. I got this. What do you for you oh boy his his you're gonna be spiking now with the uh, fight or flight 
<laughs> so I was gonna say for you, what like how have you gotten to this position to be able to be calm in those situations? Because cold showers, baby. You well, I, I guess more specifically, so you you went through a pretty nasty divorce. Yeah, it was pretty nasty. <laughs> and it took you a while to overcome that. Dude, it took me a long time. Um this is so interesting. This came up because I was thinking about this last night. <laughs> this is synchronicity <laughs> right here. I was asking myself the question, why did it take me so long to bounce back from that? Dude, we're talking like... I mean, it, it's a pretty bad betrayal, especially what uh, you went through. Yeah, it was, it was a really it's bad... It's not like it was some like easy little breakup, dude. Like no, you, yeah, guys it, weren't, you guys weren't just separating the boats a little bit piece by piece. Like You had some earth-shattering yeah, things it, it was come earth, up in It was earth-shattering. And that it, relationship. it also took me, though, like three four years to like really kind yeah. of heal from that and so like but i know you're going you're going on a good direction here, but no, i want to i want to say i did notice dude there were there were stages of talent throughout that process <laughs> of, totally. of some really good healing moments yeah and stages where it's like i was a different talent than i am now and right. I, I think that's important for people is like when your identity shatters keep in mind you're gonna have to rebuild Right. And if you're rebuilding, it's not going to be an exact replica. In fact, it's going to be probably pretty different. Right. And so as you step into these new stages of you, it's like accepting that and like being like, it's a new you. Explore it. Like it's part of the process. But for me, I think I, I used to, the original answer I used to give of why it took me so long to heal was because like I, I loved her and I was like, oh, it's the more you love someone, the more it hurts. Right. Absolutely. That's kind of like the cliche. And there's, there's truth to that. Well, and you guys were still like in, and within your relationship, like I feel like you you have a person that you truly love, right? And and that you want to be with the rest of your life. And you look, you fast forward four or five years and you have like a really in-depth kind of love. Yeah. But that's much different from the emotional type of love at the beginning. Totally. Right? Because at the yeah. beginning, not only is it somewhat of that puppy love, it's the honeymoon phase. It's everything's fresh. Everything's new. Like emotions are all over the place. Right? And so you're, yeah. you're going to go on this journey together to kind of sculpt the, sculpt your guys' main goal together, right? Yeah. Still keep your individuality, but you kind of navigate that. Yeah. And you were right in the pinnacle of that in your relationship totally. when all that came to fruition. Yeah, and I think... Part, <laughs> fruition is probably not the best part, way to say that. <laughs> it oh, all came oh, it to came your to benefit. fruition. <laughs> not the fruition I had in mind, but um, yeah, dude, it was very... Um, and I think part of the expectation or the the idea of what could have been is often very painful, right? Right. right. Of like having, and I'm kind of just, my personality, I'm very futuristic. I'm very like visionary. That's how I think is towards the future. So like when I had this vision of how it could have been, like, and, and not unrealistically, very realistically of yeah. a powerful future and that doesn't come to fruition, then that's part of the pain as well. But as I was thinking about this last night, this is interesting. I've never shared this before because this Ooh. was an exclusive in for this one. <laughs> and I would like you to pick this apart. This was a realization I had last yeah. night. I was asking myself, like, because obviously intuitively somehow my soul knew when we were going to talk about this. Just a line, I was bro. like, why did it? Yes, I loved her deeply. It took it that, like that broke me. It actually broke me yeah so i'm like there had to have been something more it wasn't just like i loved her so it hurt and 
all of a sudden it came to my mind. It was literally like this thought or this voice that came to my mind. And it was like, cause you killed your soul. And I was like, what do you mean I killed my soul? And there was very much a part of the process where half of my soul, I feel like she killed through pure betrayal. I never would have thought that would happen. Right. And like everything I did for her and how much I loved her and for that to happen was like, oh, the ultimate just disloyalty. Yeah. And loyalty is big for me. So I feel like that killed part of my soul. What most people don't know is that not all the details, but a lot of it I found out before we got married. I knew some of this stuff before we got married. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. This is what made this really tricky because then it it came into this process of like, oh shit, like, is this something we can heal? Is this is this my opportunity to learn forgiveness? And growing up in the church, it's all about Christ's forgiveness. So that was the route the I church. felt like I needed to go. I was like, I needed to step into this role of Christ and forgive her and have faith, but have that talent courage of like, no, we can work this out. Right. Trailblaze it through. Unfortunately, it. there was this subconscious, subconscious hatred for her of Ooh. what she did. So a deep, deep part of me that I didn't know at the time did not want to get married at all. My Just weren't ready. I was not ready. My soul did not want to get married. I didn't want to be anywhere near her. I didn't want to be in the same room as her. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't even, I remember this specifically. I couldn't get uh, an erection. Sorry if that's TMI, but I actually couldn't get hard because I was so damaged emotionally from this person. So we literally got married with me subconsciously being like, I don't want to be with this person. But you were trying to make it work. But I was trying to make it work. And so trying to toe the line. There's an example of like me literally going against my soul, my authenticity. Like every part of me knew I wanted to be in something better, more deserving, more loving. But yeah. But it also it was like that, I don't know if it was ego, but it was a part of me that was like, no, we can work this. We got this. Like I can't, like, I can't, I can't I, there's I nothing can't I give can't up do on this. Yeah, yeah, I'm invincible. There's nothing I can't do. It's that right. Pride, dude. And so it's that here grant I was. Coming yeah, into dude, play. So here I was, half my soul being killed from betrayal, and then me killing my own other half of my soul from doing something I did not want to be doing. So I married her with this deep hatred for her. Of like not wanting to be in it, Jeez. but feeling like marriage is the higher calling. So not only was that unfair to her, and again, this wasn't really conscious at the time. This was very much subconscious, but yeah, dude, that's part of why I think it took me so long to recover. I just well, murdered had my soul. It, had it not been subconscious, obviously things would have gone differently. Yeah, it would have gone way different. And keep in mind, there was other external pressures too. The marriage, the wedding was already paid for. It was in California. All her family was texting me off the hook. Like, keep in mind, I was kind of like the savior to her, like turning her life around. And so all the mom was texting me like, oh my gosh, like we'll do anything, but you need to marry her. Like, What do you mean you were the savior for her? Meaning when I met her, she wasn't in like the greatest place. Her and her mom weren't even speaking at all. They weren't on good terms. Right. That should have been like a little bit of a red flag to look into at the time. Uh, but that she was just off complex, on a different dude. path. So I came in and I was the George to her. I was safety. I was calm. I had my shit together. I was responsible. I was like very different from the guys she was dating, which was just like, whatever. We won't even go into that. So, mm. and so I came in and it was like, oh, 
like town, this kind of knight in shining armor, this like nice dude that can like turn things around and already helped me with my mom's relationship. And... Right. So her and her and my or her mom and I connected really quick. Did she attribute really that deeply. though? Did she attribute her relationship with her mom getting better because of you? Yeah. Yeah, she actually she did. did. And her mom did as well. Her mom actually texted me after the fact and was like, Yeah, like you're the reason why we reconnected. Oh wow. They they hadn't spoken to each other in like, you know, it was like almost a year or something. So anyway, I kind of digress there. But um, yeah, that's kind of a little background of that whole process and how like, you know, intentionally, I I don't know, it, it was a long process. And I think that's why it took so long to recover. But it was so much inner work, dude. So much inner work that was required. That's, that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. There's no other way to put that. <laughs> yeah, like, that's dude, that's was, just rough. It was rough, but like on, on one scale now, looking back, everyone has to go through it in some form or another. The degrees may be different, but everyone kind of has to get to a point where they're forced to do that inner work to like get to know themselves. Well, I think that's going back to kind of what we were talking about like last week or two weeks ago, where it's just so difficult to look within. Yeah. It's so hard to, to face the music. Dude, it is. <laughs> it really but, is. It's hard. It's hard to look within and find those things that you're not, you know, necessarily well, good at. But navigating, navigating what actually needs to be changed, because yeah. I think that's that's difficult. Like if you're if you're already in a confused state and you're trying to figure out what you need to do to make yourself better, yeah, you could change something that you probably shouldn't have changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and that just brought to my mind that like a lot of times it's people don't do the inner work because they're not aware of what's there. Right. Just like me, so much, so much of this stuff was subconscious and I just didn't, we just do things out of patterns and programming and it's like, you have to become conscious of those things. And that's why relationships are so poignant because it's that mere reflection who kind of triggers those subconscious things that come up and you project it onto your partner. You're like, yeah. you bitch. And it's like, no, dude, that was your shit that I'm it's bringing true. up for you. Like nine times out of 10, I can look back and look at certain things that Kara's done or that like my previous relationships have done. And it was like, I got mad at those things because I saw those things within myself yeah. subconsciously. Yeah. And it was Ooh, like, dude. fuck ye me, but fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you're pissed. But back to your question, like that's one of the ways you can get to more of a responsive state is looking through the lens of that triggers are medicine. Mm. triggers are, are there to help you and we, we're in such a bullshit society now where it's like i'm triggered and it's like that's the point like that's the point if you were healed you wouldn't be triggered well i mean it's got to play hand in hand with like school so bear with me on this right like Ish. you're at you're at school and you fucking hate it you're in chemistry trying to Gosh. learn covalent bonds and and all i don't even know what else there is that's all Pretty i can think good. of but electrons that one electrons <laughs> protons okay that sucks that's hard that hurts yeah okay i remember going home and trying to study that shit it's not fun yeah it, dude. like you don't you don't open up your book your chemistry book or your your history book right well i actually loved history so i shouldn't actually say that but there we all have those subjects from school that we just did not want to do yeah right and i think that plays a part in terms of life as well right like there's things that we don't want to touch yeah. with a 10-foot pole mm -hmm. but the, ironically if you do and you face that you more than likely could become a better person you face it you you overcome it. Yeah. Right. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, if you overcome whatever in school, you can become smarter. You become well-educated you, and you can use that and apply that, even if it's something you're not going to go into, right? Like I always used to have a chip on my shoulder because I'm like, why the fuck am I doing calculus, right? Like yeah. I'm, I'm not going into this field. Yeah. But the reality is that they're helping you learn how to problem solve, right? They're helping you learn how to take, tackle different things from a different angle, right? And, yeah. and I didn't have that perspective. I wish somebody would have told me that. Someone probably did tell me that, but I was a stupid teenager, right? But I'm just saying, I think that applies in life too, right? Where it's like you, if there's something hard, I mean, you really should just face it and tackle it and go after it so that you can actually overcome it and become mm-hmm. and become better yeah dude it reminds me of the the hero's journey right by joseph campbell the whole sequence of mythology of how like when that totally hero, know yeah the hero and his you journey don't know the hero's journey i haven't read that dude i need to read oh. that <laughs> dude give us a quick synopsis uh, so the hero's journey it's also like this archetype of um oh, this actually is something we should pull up, but I don't know if we know how to do that quite yet. Oh, we're too far away from the uh, but, um, keyboard. <laughs> the hero's journey. So every Disney movie that's produced follows the hero's journey. Oh, okay. So it's an actual sequence of events where okay. you have the hero in his town, but he's just this little soft little bitch. And yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not the language that he used, obviously. <laughs> Once upon a time, a soft little bitch takes a journey from but, the normal to the abnormal. Yeah, but there, there, so there's a picture, a circle, full circle, and then there's a horizontal line dividing. And above the line, you have the natural world. Yeah. Below the line, you have the supernatural world, right? So there's this kid that's on this journey or this girl, and they got to embark upon this journey to basically find themselves, right? So they start to go through this journey. They leave their town. Think of Disney movies. Think of if you read The Alchemist. Alchemist oh, yeah. is the perfect example of the hero's Love journey, the right? Alchemist. He leaves his journey to go on this adventure. And as you embark upon this adventure, you start to face all these challenges. You start to face all these problems. And just when you want to give up, you meet a mentor or you meet someone that can push you. So you take that leap of faith and you cross the point of no return where you right. can't come back. So you keep going. You enter into the supernatural world. That's where you enter into like the the darkness, into like the dark night of the soul. You go through all these challenges that make you who you are. You have to face shadows. You have to face demons. And then within this part, they compare it to like the cave where the knight has to go into the cave to like get oh, the treasure. Dragon. But the dragon is guarding the treasure. And the dragon is the demon. It's the fear that he doesn't want to face. But Joseph Campbell so infamously says, the treasure you seek lies in the cave you fear to enter. Right. right? So it's like it, you have to choose one or the other. It's either you don't face your fears at all, but you also don't benefit anything in life and you don't grow. Or you face them and you take the risk, but you get the treasure. Right. And so it's like going It's into not like the, that journey's fun. No, I mean, it's being not an a outside, fun journey. But being an outside observer, it's fun. Because there's adventure there, right? <laughs> yeah. Like there's there's calamity, there's strife, there's beautiful climactic moments, right? Yeah. But like as the individual going through it, you can only you can only align those dots after you've come through the trial, totally. right? Like once the trial's totally. over and you've come out through the other side, you can align those dots and, and realize yeah. where the growth was. But when yeah. you're going through the thick of it, you're not thinking of that. Not at but all. But as an observer and 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 reading the story you you notice how entertaining that is and yeah. and i think a lot of people it's hard to see that because the outcome is great yeah right like the outcome as a, an observer is tantalizing yeah. right it's something you want you want to be that hero but where the joy and where the the 
the true emotion stems from when watching that person's journey is the journey. Yeah. It's not the destination. Yeah. Yeah, completely because it the the hero's journey comes full circle to where they make it through all these in like foreign lands they face dragons they slay them they get the princess they go through all these experiences and then they end up coming back home uh, like in the alchemist he comes back to his home and everyone sees you but like you're not the same person yeah everyone everything's the same it, but you're not but you're just not the same and that's the journey of life and that's um it's a good point you bring up that like a lot of times when we're really in the thick of it, we forget that it's just that it's we're it's like a movie we're in. It's a play. It's a journey. That's, that's all it is. But as you zoom out, you realize, Oh, it's yeah. I'm just in this journey. That's, that's learning. But I think that's like, like when we listen to people, like it's going back to David Goggins, yes. right. Or Jocko and those people that talk about adversity or like the classic lines of being comfortable with the uncomfortable, the the underlying message there is that if you can essentially realize that that journey you're on is the epic tale, mm, right? Yeah. That like when you're going through something that's extremely hard, if you can take a step back, take a deep breath, have some solitude for a second and look at what you're going through and be like, okay, like I know that uh, like just, just beyond the corner here, there's a beautiful pasture I'm about to yeah. walk up into. And if you can realize that you'll, I think that you'll be able to take away more in that journey by having that mindset too. There's a lot more you'll be able to take from, from that path so that when you do reach the destination, you're just a, an elite. Dude, I think so. I, I totally think so. And I think that I heard, once heard someone say the real pandemic we're in is seriousness and that we've become way too serious as individuals yeah. and we've forgotten Completely that, agree like, with that. we're actually literally just here on our own individual journey to explore to face fears to fight dragons and slay demons to get treasure to find the princess to like it that is the process there's not really the journey is the destination and we got to change our lens around that of like well if i'm on this journey and if that's the purpose and like how do i enjoy this more like how do I how do I really take time to savor the fruits of this more Absolutely. rather than stressing about every little moment? Right. Instead of focusing so innately on the problem at hand, yeah. But rather like noticing the journey that it'll take to get to solve that problem. Like so. In other words, that that reminds me of like politics, right? Yeah. I used to, for the longest time, not give a fuck. Right. I'm like none of it matters. They're all corrupt. Who gives a shit? Then I kind of came back to it when I was in my 20s and I was like, well, I guess I'm kind of conservative, right? Like I wouldn't call myself a Republican um, yeah. or a liberal or any of these kind of labels. But I would say that a lot of, you know, a lot of things that I care about, probably I probably lean more to the to the right, right? And now that I've gotten a little bit older and now I'm in my 30s, I'm like, you know what? Like I've kind of gone back to that mindset of like, yeah, it's all corrupt. It's all bullshit. But at the same time, like there is, what am I trying to say? Rather than be labeled for something specific, if, if we all would just discuss kind of the problem as a team, right. And move forward with that, that's where we'll be able to get yeah. to those greener pastures. And so I guess what I'm trying to do is bring it full circle, right? Yeah. Like we've been talking a lot about the hero's journey, the individual's journey, mm -hmm. but for me, like what's important to me is society, right? And like growing and developing. 
And we can't get there right now because of how noisy it is with so many different things like being sensitive with stuff, yeah. not wanting to face the music um, and not wanting to have a discussion about it because it's hard. Right. Yeah. Like a lot of these a lot of these points right now in politics or just in society in general, they're hard subjects and people are really quick to anger around them. And it's it's blowing my mind because it's like so clear, especially if you watch any entertainment, like if you've been like brainwashed from entertainment, you know that teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it's really confusing to me. And I'm sure a lot of people to see our leaders be so crazy and not come together with a common purpose of patriotism or common love for people. It's more so how can I make my team do better? And it's driving me crazy because like there's a lot of stances that I have that fall in alignment with lib like being a liberal or being a conservative. And if you bring those things up in an environment to try and discuss it and have an open discussion with somebody rather than them look at the solution or, or look at the problem and like analyze it and question it together you immediately go into an argument because they're thinking that you're a part of a team or something. Yeah. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? I do. The reason, yeah. the reason why I'm bringing that up is because I feel like it's so prevalent and it ties in with what we're talking about. Yeah, it is very prevalent and it's very, you brought up like, um, kind of labels that we put on things. I think there's an issue with over identification. And so we've gotten so much to the point to where, we lack such awareness as individuals in a society of, of who and what we actually are that like your beliefs get tied into your identity. And so what happens then is if I challenge your beliefs, I'm not just challenging your beliefs. I'm challenging you. Right. And then also to the you core. feel threatened. Right. Like you feel like if you don't defend yourself, your identity, you're going to die. It's and all so pride. then it becomes this war of like identities when it's like, hello, Beliefs are choices. It's not your identity. It's not like you choose what you believe. Based on your right? experience, based and on so, your wisdom. Yeah. So we, we've gotten into this, this real muck, this quicksand of over-identification to where we identify with everything. I'm this, I'm that, I'm she, I'm him, I'm they, I'm tranny, I'm political, I'm Republican. I'm like, we identify, I'm, I'm tranny. <laughs> we identify with everything. And it, it's a problem because yeah. we are this as a collective, we're, we're one. We're all one. We're, we're conscious. No, it's and true. So the more we identify, the more we separate. So the way to come back into unity is to let go of these identifications and, and just be like, we're, we're navigating this. Like I, I may be this and have this, but the next second it may be this. And it's like right. that over identification is starting to literally divide and destroy us. Right. That is fluid. Yeah. Right. Like our, our consciousness and being able to develop and grow and, and, and learn totally. is fluid because totally. we're going to learn something tomorrow. We didn't know today. And that's going to change oh, and affect our thought process on our overall um, way of life. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's crazy when you have people going back into somebody's Twitter feed and like blaming them for things they did in the past. It's Isn't like wild. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Cause it's, it's static there. Right. Like it seems like it's all been within the last few days Yeah. when in reality it was like five years ago that they may have said something like that. It just, it's, it's crazy, man. It's well, crazy so that so many people don't want to have a discourse and compare notes because they're so afraid that it'll change who they are. 
But see, that's the core issue right there. Like, right. if you ask me, in my opinion, we are in a spiritual crisis right now. And what that means is that I think we are in an identity crisis. We don't know who we are. Like, at the core, people do not know who they are. Like, we forget that we are these little, like, spiritual beings having this human experience. And that we're so powerful. We're so beyond this. We're interplanetary. We're like, and that sounds so crazy, but, like, it's true. And this is just, like, a little journey we're having here. But, like, we've, be we've become so detached from our identity as spiritual beings that, like, we're just, we're lost. We don't know who we are. So if you don't know who you are, you got to start adding stuff to become somebody. And then it becomes a scheme of trying to prove who you are, right? It's like, hey, no, this is who I am. This is the degree I have. This is the money I make. This is the trophy wife I have. Like, you do all these things to prove who you are. But, like, if you think about how backwards that is, you should never have to prove who you are. Who you are is the essence. It, it, it just it permeates everywhere you are when you're really who you are dude that's that well that that's funny because i where did i see that? you were saying something about was it on instagram or something with what? but you were just saying that you're really trying to become one with your authentic self yeah yeah and and, and, I, and I believe what you like what, what you were saying in that post or whatever you were like, I, I want to be the same person I am with my family, that yeah. I am with my friends, that I am with my mm -hmm. siblings, that I am with my professional work life. Yeah. I mean, granted, when you're in a professional setting, there are certain things that like you have to be careful of so you don't get sued, right? But like, yeah, like being your core self wherever you go. Yeah. And that's that's hard too. It's really hard. That's tough. It, it, but I think Especially it's a, being raised here, right? Totally. I think it's a worthy goal though because it's... In my mind, I think that journey started out of practicality. Like, switching masks became emotionally exhausting. And it was like, this isn't even productive. Like, I'm having to keep up different characters. Like, it's not even productive. It's not practical. And so, to me, often And that's when mistakes probably get made, right? Dude, for sure. Like, yeah, I just thought of, like, people having affairs. Like, that's that's how things happen. But, like, it's it's not even practical any, to me anymore. So, even if you're a logical, analytical person, you should be striving to be your most authentic self. Because that's what's going to get you the best results. Absolutely. Like, it only makes sense to me. Well, it's really easy, I think, to, to do something that you're not to try and achieve something that you've seen that looks appealing. Yeah. So what I mean by that, especially with social media, you see somebody that's done X, Y, and Z, you've seen that destination. You yeah. haven't seen their actual journey to get there. And so you think that that needs to be your destination. Right. And so rather than go through the journey to become what that person has become that you've seen, whether they're genuine or not, you're skipping that journey and just laying on these layers of surface level, like yeah. bullshit, honestly. Mm -hmm. And then in a sense, your life is bullshit because you didn't take the time to, to go through that journey to become that individual. But I guess totally. you kind of have though, right? Cause if you, if you are trying to do that, you've taken a different path. Like a, you've taken a separate journey, but it's, it's not one that's filled with adversity to make right. you actually solidified as that individual and so then you are kind of blown with the wind in terms yeah. of who you are as an individual right yeah. going back to not understanding who you are right yeah and so i think life becomes simply a process of becoming the most authentic version of yourself that you can be finding your soulmate like merging with your higher self which is just like your true you because 
then everyone will benefit from that. And I look at Society Collective as this big masterpiece, this puzzle, if you will, and you're a piece of that puzzle. Yeah. But like you're cut in a specific way. And if you are not operating authenticity, if you're trying to mimic someone else's life, you then don't fit in the slot that you're meant to fit in. Right. And then the puzzle isn't complete. And so it's like, it's so interesting because going back to what you said, it's like the motivation is for the collective. It's, it's to serve the whole but that can only be done by each each individual stepping into like who they are and doing their work. Right. So it's this like synchronous process of like it's it's both individual and collective. They intertwine. Yeah. Both are needed at the same time. And I think that's what we're in right now. We're in this identity crisis. I think COVID was such a blessing. It like people started to wake up a little bit more and were like, hmm, I hate my job. this isn't really me i i'm not a salesman and i'm doing sales why am i doing this like covid really forced people to start looking at themselves they were forced to look at themselves and be like wow which is why a lot of people lost their marriages back uh, i was literally just gonna say marriages are falling apart left and right and this is a good thing in my mind because because it's like they, it wasn't true to them. It wasn't serving them anymore. Yeah. Right. It it just wasn't. Jobs are falling apart. People are leaving. We're in the great resignation. Marriages are falling apart. Like careers are switching. Like, and it's all good in my opinion because it just everything that isn't serving you, that's not your truest self, is just being it's being purged away. It's like this isn't you. Yeah. It's not authentic. Get rid of it. Do you have um? Do you have any moments recently where you've Urged. Yeah, dude, a lot. Do I you want to prime example? Do you want to tell us? Yeah, dude, my company. Uh, I have this company called North Star Survival. Oh yeah, we, put that plug in with our two viewers. Hey, North two Star viewers that are watching us. Go to NorthStarSurvival.co. That's my company. Did you see that? We got. We're we're making it, bro. Two viewers, dude. For our first live, Shit. that's pretty incredible. They're not chatting though. Maybe that's false. Maybe that's just fake. Uh, Maybe it's just saying two viewers to make us feel better. (laughs) (laughs) Two viewers are you and I. 22, we're crushing it. Yeah, dude, I have a company that um, we specialize in outdoor adventure gear and whatnot. What's it called again? North Star Survival. And uh, what's funny is I totally started that company out of ego now i realize <laughs> which is ego can be beneficial but um i've now hit a point where just certain things don't make sense to me anymore the hustle the grind like i was working 14 hour days getting this thing started and all necessary all good all beneficial but all of a sudden i hit a point where like my heart just wasn't in it as much and it was like wait what are my intentions? Why yeah, am why, I doing why did this? I actually why do am this? I like, and so I had to come face to face with some real things of like, okay, like what, what do I actually want? Who am I? Why did I start this in the first place? And North Star Survival obviously is still there. It's doing well, but it like, I pulled back a lot. I'm not really that involved anymore. I had to simplify a lot of things. We let go um, of a lot of different um, positions and just ways we were doing things. We just, it was so heavy for no reason. So much work, so much like involvement, so much like this, like Like just unnecessary meetings and shit. Like, yeah. And just, just trying to make it big and go and do and like add and it like, it was like infinite growth. If last year isn't, like we haven't seen yeah. crazy gains from last year, then we're not doing it right. But like, why? Right. Why? And it was literally just to grow because that's what you do in business. Like there were, there was no yeah. like when I really started to ask like why, I couldn't find an answer. I was like I I don't know. 
to keep up with people i don't know dude i I was talking (laughs) to this one this one um ceo he um hated his family oh honestly jeez i don't know to throw that out there (laughs) but no like his like they were they they were very pompous Mm. if that makes sense yeah yeah and like very kind of holier than thou kind of vibe right like not very welcoming yeah (laughs) but anyway he said that the the purpose of a business is to make money Mm. and i think that's the mentality yeah right and so it's like if you're not making more money than you were last year yeah like and i I think that's kind of where you're is that where you're going with that because like 100 percent. in the beginning the goal was totally it really was just money and then there was a, a spiritual shift with me along the way and i was like number one i actually really don't care like money money's a byproduct of what you love in my in my opinion it should yeah. be like i want to be authentically doing what i love every day and money i i actually do love money but it's money's freedom in many ways that money needs to come from a source of of love in in something meaningful something meaningful to you like to me now, business is very spiritual. It's the creation process is what you're doing in business. So if business isn't serving the higher good, I, I don't get the point. If it's just adding and collecting more money to then just grow and it's this closed system, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me anymore. I think businesses start to, they're going in the future to become these open systems to where it's just benefiting the collective. And then everything is just abundant and growing. And then it sees self-organizing businesses that are also open to others. And then we're rising the whole collective and like, but right now it's very mine. It's very scarcity. It's very like yeah. me versus you. It's very low mentality. And I just don't resonate with that anymore. No. I, and I think a lot of people feel that way. I think yeah. a lot of people are like recognizing that hopefully. Yeah. Right. I like, and that's why we're too. seeing a lot of people like not wanting shift. to go to work. Yeah. Right. Cause they're like, wait a second. <laughs> like, yeah, and dude. that's what I mean by, and I think that's why I wanted to talk about that subject of rather than reacting, taking control. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people are starting to, to kind of fall into that where yeah. it's like, okay, well I obviously need to make a living right yeah. to like support X, Y, and Z, whether it be a family, whether it be whatever thing you're addicted to. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like you obviously need to be going to, make some type of income for those things for that necessary freedom but i think a lot of people are realizing like where is my individualism like where has that gone totally and like i think one of now that we talk about this one of the big beliefs that shifted for me was realizing that oh everybody can win everybody right not just they can win that ought to be the standard we're shooting for and the way we were operating and most businesses are operating some people win some people lose and when you go to negotiate, I'm going to make sure I get the better negotiation, right? right. And there was there was just some point where- How can I, I come out of this deal on top? Totally, dude. And I hit some point somewhere along the way where I was like, this doesn't feel right. Everybody should be winning. Back to relationships. We're team human here. Right. Team human. So like, I want you to win because if you win, I win because we're connected. We're family. We're like, yeah. we're in this together. And so that was one of the big shifts. So now it's like- Everything I do, if everybody's not winning, I'm not interested. I don't care. Right. I'm not interested. Everybody's got to be winning. But that's not to be confused with everybody gets a trophy. No, 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 no. Thank you for pointing that Cause, out. Because I think that's a, an important distinction. Everybody wins, but I'm first. <laughs> <laughs> 
the dis- there's still first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, yeah, and seventh, no, and eighth, ninth, tenth. It's a very good point because the distinction is everybody's winning, but if you're authentically doing yours, I'm doing mine, we're also contributing to each other, meaning that I need you. I need you to step up and I need you to win. It's a difference of talents and, yeah, and, and abilities. Totally. Yeah, This there's no participation trophies here. Like, right. You pull your weight and I'll pull mine, but pull your weight in the thing you want to be doing. And your skill set. And it'll benefit all of humanity. You got the tradesmen, the electricians, the businessmen that we need them all. We need everybody. Okay. And that is why I brought up the whole point like because it may have seemed random you bring politics up i didn't bring up specifics but that's why i brought that up because you need to be able to have that individuality you have to you can't have that that label placed upon you i mean certain labels are obviously good right like you don't want to eat poison yeah (laughs) but like but but i think you know what i'm saying in the sense where it's like these as an individual, you have certain skill sets, so find them. Yes. And the only way to find them, hard conversations, discourse, yeah. experience, putting yourself out there. Mm. And that all those things are fearful. They can be fearful because of the difficulty of their nature. Yeah. But but if you want to know who you are, if you want to figure out what you're gonna fucking do in life and, and be a common match to society and, and do get yourself into a place of interdependence, right? I help you, you help me. You have to have something you're going to be able to help with. Yes. <laughs> and, and so to, to find that, it has to be, it has to come through putting yourself out there, going through experiences, having yeah. those hard conversations, going through discourses, questioning with boldness, standing your ground when you need to. Yeah. All of those. And, and not being prideful too. Because there's a difference yeah. between standing your ground because it's something that's justified and then standing your ground because you're a prideful SOB. Yeah. And I want to add in one more that you actually brought up earlier that's so important, which is solitude. If you really want to find out what you can offer to society and who you actually are and your authentic, you know, being independence, it's going to require some solitude. And I think we don't have enough of that. There's a quote by this guy named Pascal, and it says, all of humanity's problems stem from the inability to sit in a, in a room alone by themselves. (laughs) and without their phone (laughs) like there there's a lot of truth to that you think of all these great artists in time or you know picasso i think of uh is it thoreau the through the woods home or whatever yeah path less traveled yeah like he spent literally in his cabin in the woods in solitude for years and years and when and same with all these authors and musicians and like you see this common theme and solitude is a big part of it in a, in a society where we're addicted to sensory it's it it only seems right that that's the exact friction we need to step against that because it's uncomfortable to get more into some quiet get more into some solitude it's, it's the well, only way you've run before yeah right you've exercised you've done some pretty hardcore stuff you're in rugby ran a couple times yeah. ran a few times <laughs> but no like when you go and actually run and you're gonna go for like maybe three to five miles like a, like a decent run yeah. right like you get past one to two miles and you're sucking wind, right? But then there's the that common phrase you always hear about having that runner's high, yes. right? I think I feel like it's the same thing, totally. right? Like you're, you're going through in your solitude, figuring yourself out, and it's very difficult. 
but there's like this point that you get to whether whenever you're going to take your time of solitude right a lot of people take it in the mornings right mm-hmm. and a lot of people have talked about how in the mornings when they like i'm talking about like lex lex friedman's talked about this jocko talks about this david goggins a lot of people that are like go-getters that are maybe a little too extreme in my opinion some of them i don't think lex friedman's that extreme yeah but david goggins is david a goggins too extreme. <laughs> extreme maybe not jo- jocko's close to that he's extremity, hard. he's pretty hard, he's but hard, that's because of his, his upbringing. Yeah, his and just his nature. But what I'm saying is that if you're able to do that, right, and and have that time alone, you tap into that runner's high, mm-hmm. right? You tap into that moment where it's almost like, not to sound crazy, but there's almost a second voice that comes up. That's still small voice. Yeah. <laughs> the Holy Ghost, which is that's what I call the higher self, right? You you can call it whatever you want, but I totally agree. There's something else that comes in, but it only comes in when you find that solitude, right? And that's very difficult to do when you're in a when you have a child or kids or a family and stuff like that. And that's why I think that a lot of individuals talk about it being in the morning is because that's the best time for their solitude, right? Getting up at five o'clock in the morning and spending those two hours of alone time to be able to work out, set, you know, sit down, settle in and and be able to kind of get in that flow state of whatever it is that you're tackling, right? Whether it be starting a new podcast, whether it be some type of creative outlet, you can really find yourself in that process, I feel like. And that's, dude... I'd say that's the biggest takeaway from this episode is like in a, in a culture right now, that's beyond noisy, the greatest service you can do for yourself is to start to kind of lower the volume on that noise and start to find some solitude. Cause that's when, that's when the real magic happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you start to gain that awareness, which is so needed. So needed. So good. Well, do you want to wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, Thank you for joining us. I hope it was <laughs> I well. If we really do have those two viewers. I hope so. <laughs> it's probably Please, like my wa- buddies from Discord. If you're watching this back, uh, send in questions, send in topics you'd like to us to discuss. Eventually, when we get to the point when we have like a more of a room where people are in this, we'll, we'll I imagine us more. opening it up and interacting with people, getting people's opinions, like making it an actual Sunday service, like a congregation. Yeah, because I imagine what we would do is maybe have like a session like this and then we'd spend the next hour or next 45 minutes just shooting the shit with chat yeah you know so ask your questions don't forget address me as rabbi talon address stefan as pastor stefan (laughs) (laughs) we still need to figure out who's socrates and who's aristotle and then you can address us that way (laughs) i just realized this looks like a complete optical illusion with the wall and the cameras all right well we love y'all joining us and join in Sunday service with Town and Seven.